You're listening to the Banner Church Podcast, recorded in Scottsdale, Arizona. Thank you so much for listening. For more information, visit us online at banner.church. Awesome. Uh, I, I want to do something today. I was thinking about this last night. I was praying with my daughter, and she has this little sheet, and she writes things down every week that she prays for. And then I came here, and I saw the cool, like, reptile thing they had set up for all the kids and just fun stuff. And I'm just so proud of our kids' team, honestly. I just love that team so much. If you serve on kids team, would you just wave your hand? Wave your hand up. Can we just celebrate them this morning? That's awesome. Wait, no louder. Come on. There we go. Yeah. We love our awesome kids team. I love. I just love seeing this stuff. They always rep. Like, you got Cactus Kids shirt over here. Love this town shirt over here, Ben. Uh, I love it so much, but I love what God's doing uh, through the kids and in their lives. And, man, it's really encouraging to see that's the next generation that we seed into. And um, we don't just have vision for, like, adults. We have it for everybody, right? It's super cool. So uh, we're in our 2020 vision series, and this is our very final uh, sermon today. And I really wanted to share something special with you. I want to share kind of the theme for our year. So Our theme last year was his presence, and as a church, we really wanted to establish um, a church that pursued God's presence, and so that's when we started Presence Nights, and we started doing Worship Nights because that was was our theme as a church, and so I want to introduce to you our new theme, but before we do that, I want to talk about Legos, Uh, because as a father of a five-year-old, Legos are very important to my house, and I have what I would consider a love-hate relationship with Legos. Because Legos can be assembled any way possible over great periods of time, and they can be disassembled in an instant uh, by dropping them. And so my daughter has this Lego castle. She asked for it for Christmas, and uh, I believe Mimi and Haha, her grandma and grandpa got it. You can throw that up on the screen. And, uh, you know, it's about, it's about this big, but it has so many pieces. Like, look at this flipping Lego castle here. Like, the stairwell folds up on itself. So many pieces. And so um, my, my dad bought this, and my mom bought this for Lucy. And so they spent, like, the whole Christmas weekend building this thing. And every time Lucy would come over, they'd build another little thing. And there's, like, a giant stack. It's like the New Testament of Legos trying to put this thing together, and there's little things and lots of details. There's like seven packages, and you got to open each package in succession because if you open a package too early and you lose a piece, then, you know, I don't know, Elsa will be homeless. I don't know. And so it's super crucial to do every step. And so they did this for, for I don't know, like a week, and I was so happy that this thing was going to live at, we call them Mimi and Haha, at Mimi and Haha's house. And it didn't. It came to our house. And it now lives with us. And my daughter loved this thing so much. It took so long to build. It was so precious to her. So she took it everywhere, out to the kitchen, the family room, outside, into her room, all over. She would bring this thing. The hard part is that a five-year-old has not quite learned how to not drop things yet. And so what took like a week to build took about four and a half seconds, milliseconds, to break. And so there's this moment I see her walk off with it. I hear her crying, and I've only been a dad for five years, but I know instantly what that means, which is that Lego castle's broke. Now, they built it in such a way that they kind of break off in different pieces, so it wasn't totally shattered, but it was pretty broken. Now, since it was built at Mimi and Haha's house, and since we have a five-year-old, and though she's a very good steward of all, um, 
you know, her little manuals and instruction things and all that. The instructions were somewhere, but we didn't have them. So I thought, I'm smart. This is a child's toy. I can put it back together without the instructions. I have seen this thing. I'll tell you what, I needed 21 days of prayer and fasting after trying to put this thing back together. Because there, there's layers, guys. This thing pulls out, the doors open on a hinge, then that thing spins, right? So I didn't have any of the instructions. I had seen it done before. I had seen it assembled, but I didn't really know. So I'm like, all right, let's put it back together. How hard could this really be? It's very hard. <laughs> so after about way too long and way too many frustrated words, I decide, let's just look up the instructions because we have the internet and we can just Google and you go to Lego and you got the instructions and you put it together. And, and what I realized is it wasn't just enough to have all the pieces. It wasn't just enough to have seen it done before. It was important that I had the instructions so I could get the fullness of what it was supposed to be. Now, I could have assembled it a million different ways, and it's not to say that it's bad or, or right. It just wasn't how it was intended. It wasn't how it was created to be. And so in order to build it up the way with less frustration to what it was intended to be, I had to go through the instructions by the people who made it. And I think that the best way for something to fit is how it was designed. And as I was praying through 2020, I felt like God began to, to speak to the church. And I, and, and I love to pray at the beginning of every year, just refresh vision for the year. God, what are you speaking to our church this year? What are you trying to say to us? Not just the church global, but this church right here, Banner Church. What are you saying to us? And I, and I began to pray through, and, and, and I felt like I was saying it's not enough to have all the pieces. It's not enough to have all the resources. It's not enough to just copy having seen it before done somewhere else. you got to go, what do the instructions say for the church? What do the instructions say for us? Did you know that God infinitely values his church? God infinitely values his church. It's called the bride of Christ. Bride, there, there's a value there. There's an intimacy. There's a love there. And so I began uh, to pray and seek God during the fast because it's not enough just to have all the awesome pieces and the great pieces. We want to make sure that they're all clicking together as God has designed it to be so that we become the Elsa Disney Princess Lego castle of churches. <laughs> no, so that we become fully as God intended each one of us, but collectively together. Are you with me this morning? And so I, I began praying in this fast, and I've been praying for discernment and wisdom. I'm like, God, what are you trying to speak to us as a church? And I feel like what God spoke to me is that we're not just called to attend a church or like a church or have a church. We are called in 2020 to be his church. And specifically not be a church, but to be his church as he intended See, Jesus rose again for relationship, not just to prop up a new religion. He rose for so much more. And I believe this year that there's more for you. I believe that there's more for your family. I believe that there's more for this church. But what we got to do, and I felt like I was leading us, is, hey, go back to the foundation and make sure that every single thing as we continue forward is really instilled in the instructions that we've been given. See, Christ laid the foundation for the church, and then the early church acted upon that foundation. 
And so they built with the right instructions. They followed the apostles' teaching. What did they do? Here's what they taught. Three things. Unity, which is a love for each other. Community, which is a love for their neighbor. And creator, which is a love for the Lord. I want to read you a scripture. We'll pray and then go ahead and open your Bibles if you have them to Acts 2.42. And I want to share what God is really speaking to me about this year for the church, for us to be his church. Let's pray together this, this morning. Dear Jesus, we thank you. God, we thank you for coming to the earth and dying for us, to bearing our sin upon the cross, for going to the grave and then three days later rising again. God, and that you ascended into heaven and you sent your spirit and the Holy Spirit came upon the church and that we have not only been called, but we've been empowered and you have called us to great things. And so this morning, I pray that our hearts would be soft and open to what you want to speak, that this year more than any year, we would not just know church, but we would be church. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to read to you Acts 2.42, a classic scripture about the uh, foundation of the church. When you hear they, they is the church. The church is a collection of believers. And here it is. If you're with me, say amen. Amen. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayers. And awe came over every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. That sounds like a great church, amen. I mean, that sounds like something we could really get on for. I love this, it's describing the early churches because what they're modeling is everything that Jesus has been teaching. And so what they're reflecting is what Jesus has taught the disciples and we have the apostles now teaching and guiding and we have all, the, they're learning together and growing. And we have this really great image, this kind of like utopian image of the early church before they're scattered, before they're sent all over. There's this beautiful moment here, but I think that there's three things in here that are really exemplary, that if we begin to more deeply embody, we will see a greater movement in the church. The first thing is unity. Unity. Unity is an important word. If you're in here and you're alive, say unity. Unity. We are better together. Right? Unity to love each other. As people, we are better together. Verse 42 said, breaking bread in their homes. They were gathering together day by day. They were breaking bread. They were praising God. They were receiving of the sacraments together. See, this is the amazing thing about the church is that we need each other. I need you. You need me. We need each other. See, the myth of the church is that some people are more important than other people to the church. That, that I'm more important than you. But we are all important and crucial to the church. Ephesians 4, you don't have to flip there, it'll be on the screen, 1 through 7. This is Paul speaking, he says, Therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you have been called. 
with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Who knows that church requires that, amen? Eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, the body of Christ, us, and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who's over all, through all, and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Hear me this morning. We are connected and united together, not as separate parts trying to figure out if we're important, but by crucial parts of the body together. See, your gift is valuable. Your heart is valuable. You are valuable to the body of Christ. Not just to what happens here on a Sunday, but to the church around the world. You are, you are valuable. I love Colossians 3.14. This is amazing because the church is a unique place. And the church is unique because it celebrates the diversity of people. See, you're not special to the church because of what you do. You're special because who you are and how God made you. You are important to be unified and loved together because of who you are. See, we celebrate diversity because we love each other. Colossians 3, 14, it says this, And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. You know the strongest feature of the early church, and the early church had its difficulty. They had messy people. They had some real stuff. Go read Acts. People, there's some real stuff happening. They'll put the fear of God into you. Uh, there's some messy people. But the amazing thing about the early church is that they were diverse, so diverse, and yet they loved each other. See, it's easy to love people you like. It's easy to love people that love the things you like. It's easy to love people that are stylistically the same as you. It's hard to love people that are different than you, have a different rhythm of life, that are kind of uh, not your speed or your style. It's like, you know what, someone really loves metal and you really love Taylor Swift, but hey, it works. <laughs> right? Some people get married with those. <laughs> but what's amazing is, is we as a church are called to love each other. People of different styles, people of different backgrounds, people of different races, creeds, nations. We're called to love each other. How do we love each other? Let me give you a really simple way. We spend time together. Friendship is built through intentional time and united purpose. Let me say this again. Friendship is built through intention, not just time, intentional time and united purpose. The greater the time and the greater the purpose, the more connected you'll be. This is why small groups are so important. This is why people that are in the military and get out of the military can struggle with a greater connection, especially those deployed. Uh, people in law enforcement or first responders, because there's a certain kind of brother or sisterhood that can exist, that when you're separated because you had such great time and such great purpose, all of a sudden it can begin to dissolve, and you're like, where am I connected? Right? Even, even when you were in high school, like those of you that were like, I just had to survive high school. There was at least one other kid that was also surviving. And it's like, you're like, we're surviving together. We're going to make it. And then you got out and you're like, I don't have friends like when I was a teenager. Nobody just wants to hang out anymore. It's like, yeah, because they have jobs. But this is how friendship works. But the amazing thing about the church is that we are called to intentionally build a healthy family. Intentionally be together. I love Hebrews 10. If you're taking notes, write down Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. It's on the back of your calendar. And it says this. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. 
not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. It's kind of funny how he throws that in. But encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. See, this year, I want to encourage you. Don't just attend church. Be the church. Don't just get in a row. Get in a circle. Don't just come occasionally. If you come once a month, you only come to church 12 times a year. No one's going to know you. No one's going to know your issues. No one's going to know your heart. And you're going to be like, well, I gave people my number. It's like, bro, they don't even know who you are. They don't know your struggles. you got to get in a circle. you got to go to the trauma healing group and really be open and vulnerable and honest and have God do breakthrough in your life. Then you're going to know some people. Then some people are going to be in your corner. But see, that's the step as a church we have to decide to take. And I want to encourage you is if you want to eat of the bounty of friendship, you have to work in the soil of unity. You got to get down in the dirt with people. You got to get down in the mud with people. You got to kind of smell like mud and dirt, get a little under your fingernails, deal with them when they're dirty, not just bounce them because they're inconvenient to you. We have to do that work as a church and say, you know what? If I want to eat of the bounty of friendship, if I want to eat the bounty of relationship, I got to get down in. I got to text people. I got to call people. I got to invest into people. I got to disciple people. I got to empower people because guess what? There's so much more when we're unified. See, we are called to great things as a church, but not as church attendees, as those, those people who are being the church. When Jesus established the church, he did not establish attendance, he established relationship. And what I love about this church, what God has done over the past year, is just seeing those kind of people who so uh, intentionally invest in relationship. That's why I love the Craigs. They live all the way out in Florence and yet are like some of the most intentional people about investing into relationship with others. And I love that. It's amazing. They hate that I brought them up, but that's okay. Uh, But I love that because this year we, we have a great mission, but it takes everyone's gift. Listen, what is more important in a body, a foot or an eye? Right, they're different. One of you is a little tougher, one of you cries more. But you're both important. You need your eyes and you need your feet. Right, they're important to the body. So just because you're different doesn't make one of you bad. And you don't want a foot kicking out an eye. So all together as a church, I feel like God is saying, let's be unified. And so I want to ask you this year, more than ever, what is your responsibility as a part of being the church? In relationship. Maybe for some of us, we need to reevaluate how important we really are and begin to see ourselves as an important part. Maybe for some of us, we need to reevaluate the rhythms of our life and say, you know what, God, you've called this church to great things. So you know what, I'm going to begin to press into those circles. I'm going to begin to remove excuses, and I'm going to begin to press into relationship, unified. Second thing, are you still with me this morning, amen? Amen, is community. We have a mission. Community means, means to love your neighbor, right? The thing I love about this church is that we support missions locally around the world. We support about 27, now 28 missionaries around uh, the world. And it's awesome to see what God does, amen? Like, think about that. Because of the generosity of this church, 28 unique places and people groups are getting, meet, are getting met with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right, like, we have a mission, but we have a mission here. I love Acts, Acts 2, that scripture we read says, they were selling their possessions and belonging and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Think about that. Did you know that your life has a mission? 
Did you know that? That you're, you were created. You were like, I don't, have, I don't have a mission. Like, I'm just, I'm making it through. Like, I don't like my job. I don't like, like, no, trust me. You have a mission in life. You have the mission of the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, the church exists to continue the mission of Jesus Christ. God had a mission. Jesus came and he walked in that mission. Then he empowered us by the Holy Spirit and sent us in the world to do it. To do what? To bear witness to him, to preach, to heal. Did you know you have a mission to preach, heal, teach, baptize, and make disciples? Every person, not just me. You have that mission. You're like, I don't think you know me enough to know. I'm not, I do not have that mission. No, trust me, you do. Everyone's gift is different, but you have it. It's a call on your life. Matthew 28, 18 says, Jesus said to them, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you to the end of the age. We have been given a mission to bring the gospel to the world. Do you know how precious that is? Think about that. Are there people that you would trust or, or wouldn't trust with your car keys in your life? Right? Like, there's people that you would give your, like, I would not give my car keys to my five-year-old. <laughs> right? I, there's some people, I, I give my car keys to my wife, I trust her. But Jesus entrusted you with the mission of his church. Think about that. That takes some serious love. That he entrusted you and cares enough and believes enough in you and how he's gifted you. Not to have my gifting, not to have Katie's, not to have Patrick's, but how he's gifted you to continue the gospel. I love that, that Celine and I are so different, but on the same mission. You have been called. John 17, 18 says, Jesus is praying, he says, God, as you have sent me in the world, so I have sent them into the world. You have been called. But not only have you been called, remember when Faith shared last week? That was awesome. Did you get, I don't, was anyone here for that last week? It was awesome. And she said, God doesn't call the qualified, she qualifies the call. And I love that. That God qualifies the called. Here's what he does, Acts 1.18. For you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. So he called you. He's empowered you, meaning he's literally given you powers of the Holy Spirit to spread the gospel. But where? 28 missionaries? I think that's great. But where for you this year? Well, it's wherever your community is. It's wherever your Jerusalem is. Where is your Jerusalem? Where is your community? If God has you somewhere and you've been sowing, guess what it's time to do? Harvest. There's a place in your life that God has put you that is a harvest field. Look at the ministry of Jesus. Jesus met people of all different kinds in all different places. He met people high up in the military to the lowest people that you could possibly find. He met felt needs, and he just loved upon them and preached the truth of the gospel. That, that doesn't seem impossible. That seems like we could do that. James 1.27 says, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Notice he just says visit. He doesn't say proselytize or like save a whole orphanage. He says visit, to care for, to reach out, to build a bridge. Matthew 25 verse 34 says, then the king... At, in the end, will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you since the foundation of the world. 
For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty or give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when do we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Jesus says, when you care for your community, you care for me. Think about that. Think about that in your office. Jesus says, when you care for these people, you care for me. Think about that in the city you live in. When you care for them, you care for me. Caring for our community shows the heart of Jesus. This year, more than any other year, I want us to be marked as a church that intimately, intimately cares for our community. Because caring bridges into people's lives. It breaks down a wall of otherness. You know, otherness, which says, because you have, you look like this, act like this, sound like this, have this much money, are from this kind of place. That's them, and this is all us, and we're trying to reach them. Well, I want us to rethink it and say, this is us. This is our community. This is our place. This is our city. We don't look at our community through a looking glass mirror like it's a zoo. We are intimately connected and involved. You go to the grocery store. There's a harvest, right? You go to work. Some of you can't harvest at your work. That's fine. Like, you walk on the same street as other people. You have family. To be the church, we must be linked with our community, amen? Jesus was linked with his community. He walked the streets. He met with people. He ate dinner with them. He broke bread with them. Some of you are thinking right now, I don't have time for that. Then reorganize your schedule to fulfill the mission of God in your life. Stop letting your schedule have supremacy over the mission of God for your life. I'm too busy to fulfill the mission. Then you're too busy. It's time to say, okay, God, what do I need to reorganize so that I can begin to reach out into my community? Because my community is me, and somebody at one point reached out to me. What if they had been too busy to share the gospel with me? Well, I'd, be, I'd be going to hell. But, <laughs> but it's important as a church to say, okay, we're going to begin to look and say, God, where is their loneliness? Where is their brokenness? Where is their hurt? Where is their need? And what I'm going to do is begin to say, I'm going to bridge over loneliness with friendship. I'm going to begin to bridge over brokenness with care. I'm going to begin to uh, bridge over helplessness with service and comfort. Are you with me? Each of us, we, we get antsy, and so we're like, oh, I'm just going to do this, or maybe I'll do this, or maybe I'll do this. I, I want to say, take that intentional time to focus on your community and pray, God, where are you calling me to make the biggest impact for the kingdom? See, to be the church and not just attend the church, it's got to be built on loving our community as Jesus did. Not like we think, but as Jesus did. How did Jesus love? He got down in the mud with people and spent time with them. Spent time with each other. Spent time in our community. I'll give you a spoiler alert. Third one, spend time with God. Matthew 22, it says this, and he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, 
It says, verse 39, and the second is like this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and prophets. The third thing this year I feel like God is calling us to focus on is the creator. We were created to worship God with our lives. So we love each other, we love our neighbor, and we love God. Think about that, Matthew 22, what I just heard, he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is why we were made, this is the fundamental purpose of our life. Did you know you were created, that, that, that when God created man in the garden, he didn't just need a landscaper. Like God did not need to hire some landscaper, so he's like, you know what, let's take some dust, let's make a man. Hey man, you got 20 hours a week, go ahead and work this field, right? God said, I, I want relationship. He created us to worship him in unity with him. That's why all the scripture, if you read through scripture, it's all about worshiping God. Isaiah 43 says, for I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people, the people who I formed for myself, that they might declare my praise. Psalm 95, 6 says, oh, come, let us worship and bow down, kneel before the Lord, our maker. All the way to the back of the book, Revelation 4, 11 says, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will, they existed and were created. See, the early church got this, Acts 2, 46, if you're still there, read with me. It says, and day by day, attending temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number daily. See, the early church, I love it. it, it it's like going back to the instructions. because we can, we can build it however we think, and we have this kind of mantra in our life. It's like, yeah, whatever works for you works. No, whatever God wrote and whatever God spoke is what works for the church, amen? It's not whatever you think. It's whatever God said because he's God and we follow God. If you want to follow something else, knock, your, knock yourself out. That is whatever you say. But if you want to follow God, then listen to me. There's a joy that has been created in your life, which is to worship God with your life. I love that about the early church, that there was this awe that marked the church. It's interesting when you study the early church, there, there's all kinds of movements in the church that happen all the time. There's mega church movements and house church movements. But when you study the early church, they did two things. They met midweek to break bread together and pray for one another. We would call those small groups. I mean, they, they would have too, I guess, but I don't, I don't know it in Latin. <laughs> then they did another thing. They met on Sundays. And here's what they did. They taught from the word. They sang hymns together, which were usually taking, like, old drinking songs and just rewriting them with words about Jesus. <laughs> I know. And they sang in catacombs too, so church is awesome. Uh, then they received communion together, and then they would take communion to those who couldn't make it. And, and they did it on Sunday. If you're ever curious, like, why do we do church on Sunday? They did it on Sunday for a couple of reasons. It, it commemorates the first day of creation, but also the resurrection of Jesus, right? Because Jesus was crucified the day before Saturn or Saturday, and he rose again on the day of the sun, Sunday. And so there was this mutual purpose because the first day of creation was the day where God created light and dark and a separation. And so they would gather together to not only uh, worship Jesus, but to worship and rejoice in their intended purpose as creation. To rejoice in how God created them. Basically, here's why people went to church to say, hey, we got a reason to praise God. 
right? That's why they went to church. They're like, you know what? We're messy. We're broken. Half of us have no idea what we're doing. And the whole Ananias and Sapphira thing, that was weird. But they're like, you know what? Like, we have a reason to praise God. None of us are wealthy. None of us have, we're just giving everything that we have. And we're saying, praise God, because as it turns out, I deserve the wrath of God, but I've received the grace of God. Right, like, like I, I have sin that I could never pay for, that I could never pay for, and yet God sent his son for me to take the wrath to, through his blood so that through him we might become the righteousness of God. And turns out no matter how cruddy my week's been, I have a reason to praise God. And so the first of my week, I'm going to mark it, the day of the sun, Sunday, I'm going to mark it by saying, God, you are great, you are worthy to be praised. See, I feel like God is worthy of more praise in a church than the praise that we give in so many settings. I grew up playing music in a concert, like a, uh, bars and venues and stuff. And it is shocking to me the kind of praise people will offer in, in a setting to, to, like some, to nothing, right? Like the church, we should rival every football game, right? Like the, the Cardinals will not, they can't, they're not going to save your soul at all. They can't help you one bit. You can praise them all you want. They will not come for you in the end, right? How about concerts? Like you can just go ham for the Jonas Brothers, but they will not step off that stage and lead you to heaven. Amen. I mean, you can love it. Lift your hands. Get it, girl. Right? The, the church has this joy. We should rival a football game, a parade, a celebration, a birthday. There should be something because guess what? All of those things require you feeling good to respond. Right? That's why they make so much money on beer. But the church doesn't require you to feel bad in order to respond with praise. In fact, if you're feeling bad, if you're feeling down, it's the best place to be pursuing God in praise. Because what you're doing is counter to what the enemy's doing. What you're showing is counter to the brokenness. I feel broken. I feel defeated. But I'm going to come and I'm going to praise. And I'm going to show in the entirety of my being that God is victorious, not the enemy. Man, I love Psalm 150. If you ever get to the end of the book of Psalm, you're going to find one of my favorite psalms. And it goes like this. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Have you got the theme yet? Everyone with me? Good. Okay. Praise him with the trumpet sound. Praise him with the lute and harp. You're like, why do we have live worship? Just wait. Why do we have loud worship? Just wait. Praise him with the tambourine and dance. Let's go. Praise him with the strings on the pipe. Praise him with the sounding cymbals. You're like, I don't know if it should be that loud. Well, praise him with the loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. See, the early church knew one thing. Life is hard, but God is good. And so they got creative in how they worshiped God. They took songs that were for, like, all different reasons, and they just were like, hey, you know, we're going to sing about God now with this song. Paul writes to the Ephesians. He says, don't get drunk on wine, for that's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in reverence for Christ. Man, that sounds like the kind of church I want to be a part of. Hear this again. It says, address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. See, that's not about lights. 
That's not about programs. That's not about events. Guess who that's about? Jesus. That is an on-fire, prayer-having, fasting, life-changing, miracle-working, moving, breathing, changing, history-making church. That's the kind of church I want to be a part of. And I think that we have just begin to scratch the surface. Because what we begin to see is just God do miracles. The reason we're in this place right now is because of a miracle of God. But I think he's just kind of scratching the surface. We're just kind of barely beginning to touch it because I believe that in order to see him move more greatly, we need to press into him more fully. To see him move in the miraculous, to see him move in a powerful way, we need to press deeper into him and everything in our small groups, in our homes, in our families, with our kids, on a Sunday, as we're driving to work, to be people of praise and say, you know what, I'm about the creator. I'm going to get creative with how I worship God. I'm going to worship God with how I serve others. I'm going to worship God with my finances. I'm going to worship God with surrendering my time in my life and just spending time with him. I'm going to worship God by spending time with my kids and teaching them. Delaney's working through an incredible resource to to give to to all of our families to talk through some incredible things in scripture with your kids. And I love that because that's the way we worship the Lord is how we steward our families. Unity, community, creator. I'm going to invite the band up. See, there was this awesome moment when I had finally downloaded. Um, we didn't have Wi-Fi in our house, so I had it on the cell signal. I was just waiting for it to download. And uh, I downloaded the instructions for my daughter's Legos, and we were going through the pages and finding the different pieces and beginning to click them in. And after just this process, it wasn't that it was going bad. It was just not how it was intended. It just felt so good to have everything click. You know, if you ever, like, worked on a car or a house or, like, you've ever cut a joint for, like, uh, molding and it just, like, fits so perfect. It's just such a great moment. And what I see in the church is that we have the most amazing pieces as a church. And Katie and I are just so honored to be the pastors of this church. Like, we're so honored to, to do life with you guys because we love you guys and we love this church. But I feel like God this year is going to begin to click us into place. And what I mean by that is he's going to begin to establish our identity even deeper. And our identity is not a pastor's personality. Our identity is not a certain program or event. Our identity is not albums. It's not art. Our identity is not loud guitars. (laughs) Our identity is to be the bride of Christ. That as a church, we desire for Banner Church to stand symbolically as the bride of Christ to say, this is a place where people don't just attend church, they are his church. They came to my house and helped me move because they're the church. They sat with me in the hospital when I needed help because they are the church. They wept with me, they rejoiced with me. They worked real hard to make small groups for me that I could come and meet people because they were the church. See, our identity is more than just attendance. It's connection. And so we have to make a commitment as a church together because the church is us. If we move out of this place, it'll just be something else. This doesn't make us a church. It does help us. But we are the church. We have to make a commitment to love each other, to love our neighbor, and to love the Lord. And unity, community, creator. The three things to say, God, 
help me this year to not just know that there's a church, not to go to a church, but to be your church. Help me be your church to my family, to each other, to my community. Help me to press deeper into you, God. Would you stand with me this morning? I'm going to invite you, if you're in this place, just to close your eyes and bow your heads with me. It allows our heart to focus. Last week, I gave you those tent stakes to take around and begin to stretch the gospel and lay the claim. And I'm also very excited for tonight as we close out worship because these worship nights have just been so powerful. Um, But in this moment right here, I feel like God is speaking to us just with our eyes closed and our head bowed and a moment of focus before him. He's asking, are you willing to make that commitment to not just attend church, but to be my church? Will we be his church in unity, in community, in devotion to our creator? Will we be his church? We already prayed three weeks ago for those who have been hurt by church. And that's because I I believe that for you to step into this moment, there had to be a release. And then last week, we need to take up the call of the gospel. But this week is a decision moment. It's not an altar moment. It's a decision moment. Will I take up the joy and the responsibility of being his church and say, God, I commit. I commit to working hard to love the people in this church. God, I commit to working intentionally to love this community. And God, I commit to working faithfully to love you and pursue you. If that's you in this morning and you're saying, God, I desire to be your church. We're just gonna lift our hands together. This is me too. I just wanna invite you just to lift your hands and we're gonna pray together this morning and make a commitment as a church. Our band's gonna lead us through the song Waymaker and I love and declare the authority of Jesus. But let's pray together. God, this morning, we pray a monument moment for the church. God, that we are not just people that want to attend church, but we wanna be his church. So God, we pray for a greater unity. God, I pray for those who have not made the decision yet really to get connected or or feel outside. God, we pray for a deeper connection. We pray for a deeper relationship. God, we pray for something greater than acquaintances. God, we pray for brotherhood and sisterhood. And so, God, we make the commitment to spend the time that's necessary to build the relationships in Jesus' name. And, God, we pray over this community. God, we thank you that you have planted us here for a reason. And so, God, we commit to loving our community, to loving our neighbors, to loving the people around us, to reaching out intentionally and compassionately, God, not just through Love This Town Days, not just through outreaches, not through giveaways, God, but God, specifically in our daily life to reach out and love our community. And God, most importantly, this year, we make a commitment to you that we will pursue you with our whole heart and our whole life. And we pray in Jesus' holy name that our hearts would be steadfast for you. And as we press deeper into your presence, that we would see you move in greater and mightier ways because you are good and you are faithful and we worship you. And everybody said, amen, amen. Hey, I want to do this this morning. Can we just begin to worship the Lord together and declare this song over this place?